You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry. From helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, the reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. (laughs) Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Let's get Liberty Pill. That's the message of today's episode. Hi there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, I am your humble host for the next half hour or so. And today we are partaking in an awesome conversation with an up-and-coming star in the greater liberty world, Isabella Riley. Now, Isabella is Gen Z and is focusing on the issues that Gen Z cares about, even though she says she's an older soul. Maybe it doesn't identify as much with Gen Z, but hey, at the very least, we know Isabella knows how to communicate with her fellow Gen Z. So digging into some of those top of mind issues, but also, and I love, she kind of brought up herself, meeting people where they're at. A great conversation to be had here on today's fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. So that being said, onto the program, Isabella Riley here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Isabella, thank you so much for joining the program. Now, let's start off first and foremost. I've been seeing you everywhere, it seems, uh, in the greater, especially Liberty podcast world. So, Isabella, you're taking over the Liberty world by storm. So let's start off. Who are you and what brought you to this greater kind of Liberty slash conservatarian world you find yourself in? So I basically, I've always been a libertarian. I grew up with my dad always complaining about the government. He always called himself a libertarian. So I always say I was indoctrinated in the best way possible, you know, being for for liberty. Um, I always say that he raised me to have like Ron Paul be my father. And Ayn Rand was like my mother. He literally has her portrait tattooed on him. with A little dollar sign on her face. So like loves Ayn Rand. So that's like a little preface. Some people are like, why do you have such like extreme views? Like I'm only 22. So I'm pretty extreme. For like my views for my age like there's not many young girls that are just think think like this that so i'm like well listen my dad has an ayn rand tattoo so if that doesn't tell you something <laughs> then that's just how i was that's what i grew up watching reading and stuff so that's just how i've always been i definitely lean to the right like i'm not a left libertarian i'm not a Wilberg. i would say i'm a paleo libertarian i love rothbard um i love ludwig von mises I actually named one of my guinea pigs after him little ludwig um so 
Yeah, I mean, so I started social media December of 2020. I just started posting TikTok videos and I was banned, permanently banned a month later. And that's when I started my Instagram. And I just started posting all my TikTok videos there. And then I had like a Twitter account from high school that I haven't used in years. And I went to CPAC, which was like my first political event ever in, at the end of February. And people were like, you need to get on Twitter. So that's when I actually started tweeting. I deleted all my old tweets because they would get me in trouble. And then I started tweeting. So that's when I kind of got involved with like Liberty Twitter. So I'm kind of in both worlds. I'm like in the conservative Twitter and then Liberty Twitter. And I have friends in both places. And then I also have people that criticize me from both places. So, and then all the left hates me. So I'm in a, I think I'm in the sweet spot. Welcome to the club. I, I see that as a reoccurring theme. Um, so let's start off. You, you brought the term up and there's a lot of folks in, in the greater audience who hear the word of paleo libertarian. Now tr there's, there's a lot of folks who they hear paleo libertarian and they just instantly turn off. Um, and, and let's not talk to those folks right now to your person. Who's genuinely curious. What is a paleo libertarian? In your own words, Isabella, what would you describe that as? Basically, what I'm trying to say, when I call myself a paleo-libertarian, I want to differentiate myself from the Lulbergs. So what I see it as is paleo meaning tradition. So I personally like traditional values. Now, do I think the government should be mandating these values? No. That's why I'm not a paleo-conservative. But I'm just basically saying... I'm anti-woke. I don't know. It's more of a thing because I, I used to have like libertarian in my bio and all my conservative friends would be like, you're a Lulberg. And I know labels are stupid, but I just want to differentiate myself and I just do um, relate to the Rothbard, Mises type, you know, Austrian economics. That's what I relate. Those are like my people. Those are the people gotcha. I love. Jeff Deist. I love Dave Smith, like Tom Woods. These are the people that like, I've never heard a thing that they've said that I disagree with. So yeah. that's okay. really what I mean. Okay, gotcha. Makes and, and a lot of the audience is going to hear those names and like, oh, okay, I, I get where where she's coming from. And I I know that there's um there's even some discussion amongst those those gents that you mentioned um uh, specifically about the term paleo libertarian. Is it helpful? Is it not? And at the end of the day, I see what you're you're doing. You're using it more as a differentiator, which I totally understand. So it's interesting that you have taken. You're only 22, and you're, you're taking such a strong stance as it pertains to politics and and right now you'd see i'd say gen z across the board i've said it here in the program i think gen z is easily one of the top markets that libertarians or conservatarians whoever you want to say is a friend of liberty should be reaching out to um i think uh num number one the reason being is this kind of uh, overt sense of understanding that the the opportunities that are out there especially the advent of number one the internet but number two the use of a cell phone like the idea that a smartphone in the palm of your hand gives you quite literally endless possibilities that are out there. Um, and that shows the value of the marketplace. So I think there's an inherent understanding of number one, the value of that market, but also the importance of keeping that marketplace in, in check. So I'll, I'll kind of turn this question towards you, Isabella, when you look at Gen Z, do you see your cohorts as potential allies to Liberty or am I just, you know, way off base in seeing it as the, uh, the opportunity that I think it is. So I think that they could be allies. I think if you're young, why would you want to be told what you can and cannot say, what you can and cannot do? You're naturally like more rebellious, but there is kind of a trend for young people to now like like to be woke. It's it's very strange. But I always say to people, it's a mistake to not be on TikTok because it is a the amount of people watching TikTok. Mm. I mean, TikTok's the only app. I don't know if you've ever been on it. No. <laughs> if you ever talk to anyone that is on TikTok, they're like, I'm addicted. I can't stop scrolling. And that's me too. It's the only social media platform that I actually can sit and scroll and stay, you know, entertained. Instagram sucks. I mean, I'm on there. Like, follow me if you want. But like, I don't like Instagram. It's not entertaining for me. And they're just so, especially the, the age demographics on TikTok, it's all the young people. And these are people... 
I mean, I'm pretty hopeless on turning people over, but I try to do my best. So um, I really do think that you should be trying to reach out to young people. They will be voting soon, you know, and that really does matter. So, yeah, I think that they could be allies. I don't know how um, effective I am. I try to either like this is my strategy. If I'm trying to convince okay. someone of something, I try to see who am I talking to? What are their interests? I always put myself in their shoes. What's going to make them see a certain situation? And sometimes you have to make things very personal to them. So I try to do that. And then, so here's an example. So my boyfriend's mom, she used to like hate Trump. And I know a lot of libertarians don't like Trump. But that's a whole nother conversation. But she used to call herself a Democrat. And then she was one day com complaining to me about how when she first bought this house, she was told that they could build whatever kind of pool they want in their backyard. That's what they could do, whatever they wanted. Then when it came down to it, they had to have like these, I don't even know what it's called, but basically the government had to come, go in and say, well, this is wetlands. You can and cannot do this. She was like, I thought that I was able to do whatever I wanted. And actually the person that came in and checked it was her husband's ex-girlfriend. So she was just like being a bitch, just like to be like that. So I told wow. her. This is your land that you bought, but the government's allowed to come in, be vindictive. But even if it wasn't some vindictive ex, it's just they can still tell you what you can and cannot do with your property. What does that say? It's not really your property. Right. And when people make fun of libertarians for dying on the hill of what color can I paint my house? It's more than what the color of my house. It's the fact that you're saying this really isn't my house. So it's really the principle that matters. But I always try to relate these small situations, everyday situations to people. I remember looking back in high school and I didn't know this was like a libertarian value, but I remember <laughs> I was looking back at it now. I'm like, Oh, this makes sense. At lunch, I used to bring like lunch for myself. And my friends would always say, can I have that? Can I have parts of this? And I would say, no, I brought, I brought it. I brought this for me to enjoy, not for you. And then they would say, stop being crazy. You're being selfish. It's the same thing. Stop being selfish. You have enough money. Just share it. Like, what's wrong with you? It's these still like, <sighs> private property principles that make sense. So I always try to frame things in what makes sense to whoever I'm talking to. So my audience knows me by this point that they're waiting for me to say the magic words. And I say it all the time. Meet people where they're at. And you mentioned going in and when you're talking to somebody, focusing specifically on the issues that matter to them. So in sales, this is, you know, and entering into the conversations that people are already having. And when we're entering into those conversations, it's important to, to your point, focus on the, the number one, the emotional tie that they have, because unfortunately, and this is just reality. And as much as Ben Shapiro doesn't like the facts, don't care about your feelings. No, but feelings are an emotion and they care. They, they thrive on emotion. And the top two emotions that sell are fear and love. So if we understand that, then let's talk about the things that are causing people pain right now in their immediate lives. And then let's solve those problems with liberty-based solutions. So I, let's maybe go that route, Isabella. You're talking to Gen Z right now. Um, being I, I, You're 22, so you're, you're technically Gen Z, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Gen Z, um, let's talk about Gen Z. What are the top issues that you're seeing in your conversations with Gen Z and what are some of the liberty solutions that we could present to those problems that maybe help them see that we're not just these folks who like to talk a big game all the time? So that's hard because I really hate talking to people. So I only talk to a few people. <laughs> um, so I don't know how representative this will be. Um, most of my friends are conservatives. I think where conservatives get it wrong is they, they're pretty much doing what the left is. They're like, well, the left, like this is what the left wants. This is what we want, we, but we want to do it through the government. So I, I disagree with that. But I mean, this is hard. I don't really talk to Gen Zers. I would basically say, 
like what I said earlier, do you want to be told what you can and cannot say? What, what to think? Do you want, like, do you not want to be able to be skeptical and question people? Do you want to live in a world where every society is telling you that you need to go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a college degree that you probably won't even use? I don't know anyone that from college that uses their degree. Not me. <laughs> At most, maybe it's like they it helped them get a job just because they have a bachelor's, but they're not using what they majored in. Most people don't even use it. It's just a waste of your time and money. So I would just try to show them it's your, but a lot of people, young people don't really see the cost um, consequences of that right away because they're not paying their student loans yet. So oh. right now, people don't know what they're signing up for when they go to college. Like I had no idea. I was just no, like, it's make believe money. It's not real. And like you see the numbers and, and that's it actually kind of goes to the bigger problem. When you look at our national debt, it's make believe it's like, what is it now? 20 some odd. Isn't that sad? I'm like, what is it now? 20 some odd trillion dollars. And like the number is so unobtainable in terms of like actually comprehending that your average person just hears that. And they're like, meh. And, and that right there speaks to the apathy. I think, I think your average person has, and maybe it wasn't a fair question, assuming you'd be talking to Gen Z. Um, I'm an old soul. I never really talked to my generation Don't either. Speak for so, me. Don't speak for me. Don't mansplain, please. I know my apologies, please. <laughs> um, so let's, let's maybe do this when you are going out and you're in your circle. So number one, who are your, the people you're speaking to right now, predominantly, and I guess when you're talking to them, what are those issues that they're presenting to you? They're saying, Isabella, here's the problem in my life. What, what's the answer? How, how what, what can, libertarians, Republicans, conservatives, what can they offer me to help solve these problems? Well, I would say most of my friends are conservatives that I hang out with. Their biggest problems are the fact that they're getting kicked off social media. Um, free speech is a huge thing. Now, I always say, well, you know, I hear my conservative friends say this all the time. We need to break up these monopolies. We need to break up Amazon. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you, what do you, what does that even mean? I always right. hear these phrases kind of thrown around, like, and they never can really tell me what it means. But what I think is that they're trying to get at is that the government should go in and break up these companies as if the government's on the conservative side. That's hilarious. So because so, all of our best stories show when government has always been on the conservative side in history, right? As if we always. should ignore history. Um, <laughs> I'm friends with James O'Keefe with Project Veritas, and I actually talked about this specific issue, big tech, with him, and he agrees with me. And I think his strategy is the best strategy, which is sue these places. When you actually put a journalist up on the jury and they they have to tell the truth or else they can get in legal trouble, guess what? They start telling a different story. And when you're suing these companies for hundreds of million dollars, which he has yet to lose a case, he wins every single case. Yep. That's what money talks. And that's why capitalism, even though it's so demonized, is the right answer. The free market is the right answer. The right is not give it for, for these big big tech platforms, I think that they should either kind of what section 230 was supposed to do, but like decide if you want to be a publisher or a platform. If you want to be a platform, then fine. You won't be liable for what third party users see on your platforms, but you can't be kicking people off. If you want to be a publisher, fine, but you you will be sued. You, you, you will be liable for what people are saying. So I just think the best way to solve big tech and all these issues is make these companies accountable to the people and not to the government. Yeah, government ends up really incentivizing a lot of the unintended consequences we see presenting itself and, and it ends up coming in. It's funny. I see my friends on the left who just pretend that incentive structures aren't real. And I'm like, you, you create these vacuums for companies to do these negative acts. And that's like they're like, well, yeah, you kind of set it up for us to do it. And if we didn't, somebody else was going to and then use that power that they have obtained against us. And, and we see that right now. You see, I mean. I think it was uh, Mark Zuckerberg who was like, yes, daddy government, please regulate us because they've already captured market share. They, they're Facebook. I mean, they're not going anywhere. So what can they do? They can help write the regulations to push the next Facebook 
out. Oh, wait, what was that? Parlor? Bye. Um, and, and what happened? That was competition. Exactly. Well, and they don't want competition. So what do they right. do? They use government to leverage it out. So it's interesting um, you know, to hear the approach you took. I wrote this down. Sue these places. Uh, yeah, and, and James just—he just sued Twitter, correct? Yeah, no, he keeps suing, and he's never lost a case. He wins every time, and this is what's—he's the only person, Project Veritas, the only people that I think are actually doing something instead of ranting on Twitter. Which, granted, I rant on Twitter, although I don't think I rant about big tech. I don't. So I only rant about—I pretty much just troll a lot on Twitter. I don't really. There's a big issue. If I'm not doing anything about it, I don't really want to just rant about it all the time because it's like, well, are you doing something about it? Because or are you just trying to get a lot of likes and retweets, you know? Right. Uh, well, and and we see this quite often where you do have um, the folks who they do talk a big, you know, big game, but then it ends up putting you know, rubber to the road. And you see this in the politicians, too, that they instantly, you know, fold like a, a, a wet napkin. It's just like, OK, well, what do, what are you there for? What's your role? And, and we saw this in 2016, especially where you had um, Republicans who lost a lot of support when they had control of both the presidency as well as Congress in, in terms of both the Senate and House, and they really didn't do anything. And I think that did open the door for another party. And I was hopeful. <laughs> I said, Libertarian Party, could you be that party? And now I think your average person, they're Donald Glover when he opens the door and he's holding the pizzas and the room's on flames. But Isabella, let's let's kind of maybe look at the Libertarian Party. I, I, I am curious you're you're an outsider. You're not necessarily in the actual LP itself. I am. Oh, oh you are. Oh, no yeah. kidding. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did. Um, tell I, me about I, it. What I are your thoughts? My place and I've switched. So okay, well, tell me. So what made you do the switch? Well, I mean, I am a libertarian, so I mean, it just makes sense. I live in Connecticut slash New York. I don't know. I go back and forth. Not like my vote really freaking matters, anyways. So I'm looking at being a delegate, and I will 100% vote for Dave Smith. I well, love. Well, there we go. Him. Okay. So I'm totally I know, supporting him. How did I miss that? Okay, so I for some reason I thought you were more caucusing conservative, and that might be my bad. So let's let's go into this then, because I'm fascinated. So I hear a lot of people who they're like, I don't want to be a part of the Libertarian Party. So you you recently made this switch. I'm excited to hear that. So what? Why when you join the Libertarian Party, what do you see its role as now? And you're looking at the future. So this is this is difficult. I did watch like that. I don't know. Did you see the Tho Bishop Dave Smith debate about? Yeah. So it's very interesting, and I think that they both make really great points. For me, the way I see it as the best way a short term strategy for to get liberty um, principles enacted and actually for real for people is probably through the Republican Party, but it won't ever be true libertarian. Like that's why Ron Paul wasn't president because you know he's too. He's actually a constitutionalist, right. actually a true like. He's the only truthful and um, real politician, I think, that actually cares about the people and never lied and actually was genuine. Um, maybe Rand Paul's a second, but he's not even anywhere near Ron Paul, obviously. So, but I think the only way to actually build up the Libertarian Party is to, you know, support it. So I'm going to support it, but I don't see, I don't, in my lifetime, I don't think I will see it taken seriously, but I, I hope, I hope to God I'm wrong. I really do. It just seems very out there. I do. I think like I will vote for Dave Smith for president. My conservative friends will probably be very annoyed with me. The states I live in would even matter. You know what I mean? But um, do I think he will become president? No. Would I love that? Yes. Do I want to see Michael Malice be press secretary? I would literally die happy knowing that that would be the case. So yeah. So, so where, where, are you? where are you on that? Oh, I'm where in Philly. You on spectrum? 
Oh, oh, and I thought you meant like where I'm. Literally, I'm not looking. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, no. So for my politics, I I find myself more. I guess would be in the classically liberal leaning, more um like Austrian economic. I'm I'm like in that fine line between Milton Friedman and Rothbard. Um, and I don't know. I I, I kind of waffle. I, I yep. I know. It's right. It's there. It's right there on record now. I'm a status. Um, what can I say? But well, I know exposed. And in, indeed, and I am. I might be a Fed. We, we'll see what happens. I know. Just. <laughs> it's everybody right everybody's a fed mm-hmm. um yeah. so i find myself though agreeing entirely like i i think we do have the arguments right now that folks are paying attention especially with the top of mind issues being number one the lockdown people are saying this is this is insane and i think a lot of people are realizing that it wasn't it wasn't the president that did this it was their mayors it was their governors so I'd ask you, Isabella, now you mentioned you kind of go between New York and Connecticut, but looking locally, is there any hope for you locally in terms of making some some change in terms of local ordinances showing liberty locally? Or do you think it's it's too tough in these really blue areas? It's it's tough. They actually on the New York City mayor mayor races today. So and I think Curtis, oh, right. Curtis will win, I believe. Will he win the general? That will be the bigger question. It seems pretty, pretty hopeless. I'm a pretty, I'm not, I might be blackpilled, to be honest. I'm a very pessimistic person. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, what we, what we saw, well, first of all, the COVID lockdowns really opened the door to the libertarian message. Like this is, the government is what locked you down. No, it wasn't dictator Trump. He actually supported federalism and let each states decide what they wanted to do, which whether that was a good thing or not, you know, there's obviously pros and cons federalism as we saw and you learned that guess what you can have dictators in the state and local level which we saw that so that opens the door for a libertarian libertarian message because even saying okay here's a good thing for young people don't you miss going out and partying there were so many like tiktokers like famous tiktokers that just like dance on tiktok they i remember they have like a tiktok house in california la and since they had a party the la mayor what's his freaking name i forgot Darcetti. Garcetti, yes, shut off their power and electricity so they couldn't have AC in the middle of like summer in California. Could you imagine the government having that power and authority? Why would you want to vote for people like that? A lot of people, especially in Hollywood and stuff, are undercover conservatives or, you know, more liberty-minded people than leftists, but... Yeah, so I think that's a great message to relate to them. Um, what was the other question you said? Rambled and I forgot. No, no, no. So more so, what do you see in terms of, well, I guess I, I kind of asked this first and I maybe want to circle back to it, is what will you see as success for these local areas in terms of getting liberty into action? And maybe let's let's look at the Libertarian Party. Do you see getting local people into office as a possibility um, or Let's maybe look at a larger scale. Do we have to go bigger? Do we have to go running state reps? Or should we be spending our time, as as though Bush, uh, Bishop argued, I think also Eric Brakey argued as well, and going that. more towards, yeah, going more towards the uh, the conversation of, hey, let's vote for these Republicans who are running as, um, you know, Rothbardians, like it's happening up in New Hampshire. I think right. actually the, the Speaker of the House, I think House or Assembly, whatever it is in New Hampshire, I'm pretty sure he's a Rothbardian, which is hilarious um, because he's Republican. And that kind of just it destroys the argument that like you have to be a big l libertarian in order to be a libertarian but at the same point in time like we can see other areas where republicans are toxic by name so it might be a good chance to get liberty into action so i i guess that's my my prefacing that question for you isabella what are your thoughts 
I mean, I think you could do both. I think, first of all, you should do both try federally, but also on the local level. If we have successful candidates, whether they're in the Republican Party or in the Libertarian Party, and we show like, like Ron DeSantis through COVID is like the star, right? Everyone, he's become a national name. I didn't know who he was until COVID. If we have these local politicians in so, on different seats and whatever with different powers and we can show them this is what's working. Maybe we'll on a national level wake people up. But I think really we should just be doing everything. I mean, yeah. federal, federally, locally, Rep Republican Party, Libertarian Party, we should be doing it all. That's my approach. My marketing guy, Chris Guizetta, is just nodding in agreement as he's listening because he he hears like, yes, in marketing, you have to do all approaches. It's not a matter of like you just do one specific thing only. Like you have to go and, and do everything to get in people's mind and make sure that you are staying top of mind. The same thing is true when we're talking about the issues we see out there. So as we go towards the end of the conversation, Isabella, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, maybe let's kind of paint the better picture for folks because mm -hmm. things have been a little dark. I know you said you're a little black pilled right now, yeah. but maybe we can paint some, some positivity for folks, especially because I think we're seeing, uh, I, I don't know about you. I've seen this in my kind of circle of friends and, and they're overtly non-political by the way, but just kind of like something's not right. Like the whole narrative that we were told over the past year and a half by the government is, is being not only shown to be like irrefutably false, but the fact that now it's being shown that they knew about it, what what would we just do the past year and a half? And that alone has really got a lot of people asking, what is this? So I'm a little maybe optimistic in that regard. So that's my positivity. Isabella, what would you see as maybe a little bit of positivity that we can look forward to going forward here? So the positivity and the light at the end of the tunnel is when things are so bad, it wakes people up. So when things are like only somewhat bad, people kind of just deal with it because they just want to go about their day-to-day -day lives. They're not political junkies like we are, so they're not always raging about these issues. <laughs> when things are so bad and affecting people so personally, which I'm not saying that's a good thing, but the one good thing out of it is it wakes people up to saying, why do we Why do we allow the government to tell me to close my business? I can't put food on my own table and somehow I'm selfish and want people to die. Like, what, what am I doing here? And it makes people reevaluate the entire situation. So I'm hoping that more people will get liberty pilled. Um, I think that is happening. And I think that I also what I try to do is convince Republicans that, you know, I think a lot of Republicans way more than Democrats are libertarians. They just don't know it yet. I think most people are. I think if you were to ask someone, do you want to run your own life or do you want the government to run your own life? Do you want to spend your money? How Whatever you earn, do you want to be able to figure out how to spend it or do you want the government to take it? Like everyone's going to agree to that. Most people would. So I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel when you put things simply and when things become so terrible, terrible for people's personal lives, they wake up. So that's the one good thing. Here's my pitch. Here's my um, my call to action. Let's let's say this for the audience, especially 15 percent. Do you think you can change 15 percent of your friends minds? Do you think you could sell them on the ideas of liberty? 15% of them. I mean, I, I have a book right here. It's an ebook um, for folks if they're interested to learn how to help do this. But if it's only 15% of people, that's less than one in five friends, which if you have a friend who's not a whole person, we got bigger problems. But one in five friends, can you change their minds? If so, the 15% number has been shown to kind of be the tipping point when you kind of get those those entry level folks who are start the 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 um oh Jeremy just uh, my friend Jeremy Todd does uh, sales oh, on the show. I see with him us. on Twitter. 
Okay, yeah, so the innovator, there we go, the innovators. So we have the innovators, that 5% initially, but then you have the early adapters, the folks who actually start to make this stuff turn into reality. And once you get over that 15% threshold, it starts to go into exponential growth mode. And it's kind of like, you know, Bowler going down the hill. It's just going to go. So I challenge the audience, if you can go out and just change one out of five friends' minds, 15%, you will make a huge difference in helping get that snowball going. And to the point that Isabella made, get more people liberty-pilled because, yeah, when things are so bad, it does force people to wake up. We're seeing that across the board. Uh, so with that being said, Isabella, unfortunately, we are already close to time. So I want to make sure folks can go ahead and support you and follow you over on social media. So what are the plugs? So on everything pretty much is just Isabella or at Isabella Riley USA. But the only exception is Twitter because it's too long. And Isabella Riley is taken by a no-name account that has no tweets or followers on everything. It's really annoying. I wish I had more of a unique name. I'm, my name's not that, like, like common, but I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a, just enough. I'm a perfectionist. So these things really annoy me. So on Twitter, it is Isabella Riley US. Um, okay. But yes, I agree with you. And I've changed many people in my lives minds. So I'm always nonstop nagging people about this stuff. So I agree. That's definitely just try to do it. Just try to talk to people because these ideas of liberty can change people's lives and change everyone's lives when we get more people on board. So it really is like a life or death thing. I know it's kind of dramatic, but I mean, think about what the last year has done to people and families. I have not been affected by this, but there's people, especially in New York, where all these small businesses, they're forever shut and they're not coming back. So these things have real world um, effects on real real people. So are you essential? Are you not essential? I mean, come on, Elizabeth, that that, that was a question that was asked. I remember I would go in stores and there'd be certain aisles closed off because these are non-essential items. Oh yeah. Oh, that happened You're already here. That's psycho. Uh, uh, Whitmer. She was doing that too in Michigan. The entire aisles just blocked off. Like this is not an essential item for you. She's like, you can't buy seeds. You can't grow your own food, but then we're going to shut everything down. Oh, that's evil. That's she anti-human ice queen. Wow. Oh, man, we're going to have to have you back on, Isabella. But that being said, what we're going to do is um, I, I noticed you have a link tree. So we'll include that link tree. So for you audio listener, please go ahead, check out the uh, the show notes. We'll include that so you can check out not just all of, uh, Isabella's social media, but also all of the appearance uh, appearances from uh, past shows. I saw, let's see, you had Fight for Liberty on there, Break the Cycle with Josh Smith. And I, I'm fingers crossed. We'll see the Brian Nichols show here on that no, list. No, definitely. Of course. There we go. In a little bit. So I got to update that, but I definitely will add that. So fantastic. Well, with that being said, Isabella Riley, thank you so much for joining us here on today's episode of the Brian Nichols show. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30 or you living that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order, plus get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. 
Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Isabella Riley. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do me a solid. Go ahead and share the episode. Make sure you go ahead and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, Parlor.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode in particular, we would love to hear about it. Head over to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash reviews. Give us a quick five star rating and review. And hey, if you want to go ahead and take that next step, become a supporting listener of the program. Well, you guys have already started to see, I, I, I've actually started before the end of the quarter. Before Q3, I'm already getting the Patreon rolling. We've been starting out with our daily sales tips for both the entry level as well as account executive level supporters there on the Patreon, $5 or $10 a month. Not only are you getting these awesome weekly uh, sales tips, actually they're daily sales tips every single week, Monday through Friday, and I might be doing it on the weekends too. We shall see folks, but also every single one of you guys will get one of these awesome don't hurt people, don't take people stuff bump sticker. That's right. And hey, if you're like, Brian, I want to support the show. I don't want to go ahead and maybe take that big step in becoming a $5 or $10 a month monthly contributor. Well, here's what you can do. Head over to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop. And number one, you can get this awesome don't hurt people, don't take people stuff bumper sticker or a variety of awesome other libertarian peaking interest tools like our come our, our, our uh, let's see cool mask bro I had to get them right cool mask bro um uh, cool mask bro bumper stickers we have our brand new I'm so excited about this don't nuke me bro Joe Biden and you can get either t-shirts uh, for for the ladies we have a crop top hoodie uh bumper stickers and more uh plus we have our traditional don't hurt people don't take people's stuff uh t-shirts and uh, bumper stickers as well as some awesome other stuff uh good ideas don't require force, question everything, and so on and so forth. Check out the store. I can't really give it justice just going through and reciting off what we have. Please head to briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. Check it out for yourself. And if you use code TBNS at checkout, 10% off your order right there. And it's not just the Brian Nichols Show store at Proud Libertarian. It's everything over at Proud Libertarian. 10% off if you use code TBNS. Not only do you help support the program, but you help support libertarian entrepreneurs as well. So folks, did you enjoy today's episode? I hope so. Uh, And if so, please make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you're not missing a single episode like our episode coming up here on Friday. Hannah Cox is returning to the program, but this time she is joining the Brian Nichols Show as a member of Fee, talking about the brand new Hazlitt Project. And yes, we have a reoccurring theme, it seems, this week, talking to Gen Z. The Hazlitt Project over at Fee is helping empower Gen Z content creators from a more conservatarian free market perspective a great conversation to be had with hannah cox so again if you have not had the chance yet hit that little subscribe button hit the magic notification bell so you're not missing a single episode here in the brian nickel show give us a thumbs up like and folks if you have not had the chance yet head over again your favorite podcast catcher and give us a subscribe so you're not missing all four amazing episodes here you get at the brian nickel show every single week so with that being said it's brian nickel signing off here on the brian nickel show for isabella riley we'll see you friday Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.